in my mind, I'd be an idiot to quit. Like, what do I got to do to join? He said there were 13 steps to becoming a Satanist and that I'd done almost all of them already. All I had left to do, I had to slice my left thumb and bleed onto a document. Hey friends, you know, Satanism has seemed to be taken off these days. I mean, there's so many people, there's this church of Satan running around. They seem to be very involved in abortion. And uh, I thought I'd bring to you someone who was a dyed-in-the-wool Satanist. And uh, yeah, very, very, very into it. Who's now, of course, a practicing Catholic. But he's going to tell us all about how he got into it and how he got out. Stay tuned for this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. And by the way, this will be part one. Take a look at this. This is Cardinal Burke talking in 2017 about demonic forces entering the church at that time in 2017. Hard to believe that so long ago. This was given at Rome Life Forum, a conference that LifeSite has been running since 2014, actually. Do you know that we're running another one this year, October 31st and November 1st? That is right at the end of this horrific Synod on Synodality. October 31st, November 1st, 2023. Come join us in Rome. Go to romelifeforum.com for more information. Watch Cardinal Burke give this snippet on demonic forces entering into the Vatican from his talk at Rome Life Forum in 2017. It seems clear from the most respected studies of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima that it has to do with the diabolical forces unleashed upon the world in our time and entering into the very life of the church. For the recovery of peace will be a gift from heaven, but it is not properly speaking the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Her victory is of another order, supernatural, and then temporal by addition. It will first be the victory of the faith, which will put an end to the time of apostasy and the great shortcomings of the church's pastors. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please tell us, I mean, your life is fascinating. For one thing, a lot of people, and Satanism is actually becoming more, more popular now, not back when you were so much. Tell us, how you got there. Tell us, you know, a bit of your life story from the beginning, how you got into Satanism. Uh, we want to get to how you got out, but tell us first how you got in. I was fascinated with magic. I mean, uh, I wanted to levitate. Levitate was the biggest deal to me. I'd seen movies where people could levitate. And, you know, my greatest superhero when I was a small kid was Superman and Superman could levitate. Flying was levitation to me. So, if I could figure out how to do that and then levitate my way to school, I'd be the coolest kid there. So I asked my Baptist preacher and my parents, was magic real? Was that something you can really do? And both sets said, no, magic's impossible. It's just done in movies or books. It's not a real thing anybody can do. Now, apparently they had missed the 33 books in the, or the 33 verses in the Bible that tell you not to do magic. Uh, if it was impossible to do something, God wouldn't say, don't do it. If you couldn't lie, thou shalt not lie, wouldn't be in the Ten Commandments. 
you know, same thing with murder or stealing. So if it was impossible to do magic, why would God tell you not to do it? You know, my parents and my Baptist preacher apparently missed those verses and they told me it was impossible. And I was thinking, you know, adults don't know everything. I've caught my parents, not necessarily in lies, but in things they thought were true and they weren't or things they thought were false and they weren't. You know, and sometimes you ask my dad a question, he just doesn't know. So maybe this was one of those times. So I set about to figure out if magic was real. You know, at the times as this is going on, I'm 10 years old. I'm playing campaigns of Dungeons and Dragons every weekend. And I'm always the wizard or the sorcerer in that. And magic works in that, but that's a game. You roll a 20-sided die. And if you're, you score high enough on the die, your magic works. Well, that's not a real magic spell. I'm also playing this Bloody Mary game at school. And, you know, this kid in the, we were in the fifth grade, first day of school, this kid says, meet me in the bathroom at the first break. First break is at 1020. And I go in the bathroom. You know, there's no warnings back then. There's no, don't go in the bathroom when somebody agrees to meet you there. And it's a kid. What's a kid going to do to me? So I walked in there. There's 49 other kids in there boys and girls in the same bathroom and he says we're going to chant this phrase with the lights out and if you do it right the spirit of a burn victim will show up in the mirror all right sure let's try that see what happens i'm not expecting anything to happen he turns out the light of course now everybody's apprehensive at this point because we're not used to being in the dark and all of us you know we're 10 years old we're all scared of the dark and we chant the phrase and suddenly this scary face shows up in the mirror and 49 kids ran screaming out of the bathroom. One kid, he's an idiot, call him an idiot because it was me, stayed in the bathroom thinking, this is the coolest thing in the world. I did this. I chanted this phrase. You know, I made this face appear. We started doing it every day. And then kids got hurt at school in their exit to the, you know, in their haste to exit the bathroom, like broken arm, broken leg hurt. So notes were sent home. And I had to take this note up to my dad in the den. And usually he just signed the note and just threw it back at me and didn't care what was on it. But this day he read it. And he reads it and he goes, have you been playing this game? No. No, I, no. no I, don't, I don't know what that is. He's like, make sure you don't. So, so I wouldn't get expelled or suspended for three days, which is what the note said would happen. I uh, started playing the game at home, but when I played it at school, I played once a day. And when I played it at home, I played it. I wake up in the morning, play the game, brush my teeth, play the game, go to the bathroom, play the game, play the game again, go out and have breakfast, come back, brush my teeth again, play the game, play the game multiple times before we leave for school. When I get home from school, I then play it a bunch more times. I'm playing it between 25 and 50 times a day. Did it ever work again? It worked every time. Every single time oh. I played, it worked. Every time it was the same face that showed up, never talked to me. It just sat there in the mirror. Now, something I want to remind your audience is that if you're seeing something in the mirror, that's not some distant land. That's not even the room behind the mirror. If you're seeing it in the mirror, it's standing next to you. So there's a demon standing right next to me and I can see his reflection in the mirror, but I'm not smart enough to figure that out. You know, I'm just thinking I'm seeing some distant land where this mirror is the open door to. 
And I'm fascinated by that. I don't know if that's magic. Uh, to make a magic spell work, you need uh, intention, repetition, and demonic presence. So, you know, there's people that say they, they've tried Harry Potter spells over and over again, and they've never worked. Well, praise God, because that means there was no demon presence. Because I have talked to people that say they do work. And there's um, witchcraft uh, websites out there where they sell spells. And then some of those websites advertise free spells, and the free spells they're willing to give away are Harry Potter spells. And they claim that these spells are, are real and they work. Um, from being a, a high wizard and practicing magic, I can tell you that they are real spells. But don't take my word for that. J.K. Rowling said that she looked up, she did one third of her research in occult books, and made sure that she put real spells in the books to make her books authentic. And she said that in a uh, PBS uh, interview around 1999. So anyway, uh, going back to my story, uh, since this isn't really about Harry Potter. So I'm practicing D&D &D every weekend. I'm doing this Bloody Mary thing, which I'm not sure if that's magic or not. But I want to do a real magic spell. I want to see if this is real. If this is not real, if magic doesn't work, then I'm just going to leave it alone and never do it again and just be a normal kid, whatever that means. But if it does work, I'm doing this every day for the rest of my life. And I set about to find a spell for money. I, you know, I've got a, a pop quiz every Friday, but I don't want to hurt my teacher. And even if I hurt my teacher, I'll just replace her with another teacher. I don't like PE. I'm a fat little nerdy kid. Well, if I hurt my coach, they'll just give me a new coach. The new coach might be worse than the last one. So I, I don't want to do those things, but maybe there's a spell I could do that would prove magic is real, but nobody gets hurt. And I thought, magic spell, money. Somebody loses some money, somebody finds it. I'll do that one. Maybe I'll be the person that finds it. So. I did a magic spell for money and I went out and I found a can of tennis balls with a $5 bill in it. And I thought, you know, that's pretty cool. This is 1976. Uh, candy bars are 15 to 20 cents. Comic books are 15 to 20 cents. And penny candy is a penny. I could get 500 pieces of candy with this. But this could have been a coincidence. Somebody had to find that can of tennis balls. So the next Friday, I did the spell again. Saturday, I went out and I found a $10 bill on the side of the road. All right, $15, eight days. This is nice. Can nickel and dime my way up to being a millionaire. But this still could have been a coincidence. So the next Friday, I did the spell in my bathroom at home. And I did the spell halfway in. I stopped it. I did the Bloody Mary chant. When this thing showed up, now, I don't know if this is really a spirit of a burn victim. It looks like a burn victim. His face is partially melted. So why couldn't it be a burn victim? Could it be a demon? I don't know. I wasn't thinking on that level. It turns out it was a demon. But maybe I can somehow harness this power for me. Maybe I can control this thing so it does something for me. So it's willing to show up for me. Maybe it's willing to work for me. So I let it know I was doing a spell for money. 
And the next day I went out to play and something caught my eye, something shiny off in a parking lot. So I ran off to see what that was. And when I got there, there was nothing shiny there, but I found what looked like Monopoly money rolled up tight in rubber bands. And I put that in my pocket and went back to playing. Later that night, after everybody had gone to bed, I'm in my bedroom, lights out, a sheet up over my head, flashlight in my mouth, and I'm unraveling all these rubber bands. When I unraveled them, it looked like Monopoly money because I had never seen a $100 bill. And when I unraveled everything, I had 10 $100 bills. By any chance, you think I might have told my parents, hey, I did a magic spell and it worked and I found a thousand bucks. I did not tell my parents that. I was now, I felt like I, we didn't have a lot of it back then, but if we had it, I felt like I won a thousand bucks, man. Imagine the candy and stuff that I could buy for myself. And I did, I got this little fat kid got fatter. Wow. And that really launched you off sort of into, into a life of, uh, of this kind of thing. How old are you at this point? 10. Oh, you go from there and you actually get into, uh, Satanism in a real, in a kind of a formal way, weren't you deterred by the sort of concept of it's Satanism and you had no sort of stop sign in your head? Nobody told me magic was satanic. Everybody told me magic wasn't real. You can't do it. It's impossible. Magic's not a real thing. Magic's nothing anybody can really do. So I can do something that nobody believes in. Nobody thinks is real. Why would something that's not real be satanic? I was Baptist. We didn't have mortal sins or venial sins or grave sins. We just had sins. It's either a sin or it's not, and therefore I'm not sinning. Because if I'm doing something that you can't really do, then it's not a sin. At this point, you're also still a Baptist. You're still a believer in God. You know, I never stopped believing in God. You know, there's two basic types of Satanists. Even though there's over 10,000 covens in the, in the world, um, it comes down to two basic types, atheistic and theistic. You know, but the theistic Satanists generally have a different view of God than what's in the Bible. Well, in a lot of satanic covens, like the, the joy of Satan, for example, uh, the joy of Satan has a manifesto written up where God is the bad guy and Satan is the good guy. You know that here on LifeSite, we love to tell amazing stories. There are a few so heroic and amazing as the story we're about to tell you that's coming soon. You gotta watch this. When I was in seminary, I was reading a book by Henry Nouwen. He talked about a nuclear man, you know, and people who grew up in the 1980s were kind of formed by that immediate and constant threat of nuclear annihilation. My generation has grown up, you know, under the specter of priestly sexual abuse. What say you, Mr. Foreperson? Is the defendant guilty or not guilty? I think that for many of us, that has also been all-encompassing. You know, I mean, I entered the seminary in January of 2004, and it's basically been there for me from in the beginning. One priest's sacrifice for many priestly sins. The story of Father John Hollowell. Coming soon from LifeSite News. As you develop, as you get older, you 
you know, you understand things better because now you're more of an adult. Along this way, did you have moments of, hmm, is this really something I should go into or is this sort of against God? Did you acknowledge that yet? When I was 12 years old, I started hanging out with a satanic coven, not knowing that's what it was. But I was having a great time. I got to eat what I want when I wanted. I got to watch movies. I got to watch movies that I wasn't supposed to watch. Like I found out there were R-rated movies and X-rated movies and triple X-rated movies and triple X-rated movies with kids in at my age. And I got to do movies like that. And I thought that I was the luckiest kid in the world, not realizing I was being re-victimized every time. I had been a victim of a sexual assault when I was 11 at the hands of a female teacher. And she told me that it was my idea. And if I told anybody, I would be expelled and go to prison and disowned by my parents. And if I got out of prison, then I'd have to get a job and not be allowed to go to school anymore. So I believed her. She's a, she's a teacher. Why would she lie to me? When I got involved in this group, they told me that what happened to me was terrible, but now I could get my power back and I can do it with anybody I wanted to. And if I felt uncomfortable, I didn't have to do anything if I didn't want to. And that they'd make me famous and that I could star in these movies. And, and we would have people write to us from all over the world and say who they would want to see in a movie and what they wanted to see us doing. And I didn't know that those were adults doing that. Because every time I watched one of those movies or saw the magazines or the still pictures, it was always in a room full of kids. So I just assumed it was other kids that were writing to us and asking us to do stuff. So I felt like a movie star. So I'm doing that. I'm smoking cigarettes. I tried cigarettes, cigars, and pipes. Um, I tried chewing tobacco. That was gross. Um, Pop pills. Took acid, mushrooms, MDMA. I was enjoying everything. I was having a great time. And I associated my parents and God, they were the no police. You know, you ask my dad, hey, the Moody Blues are coming to town. Can I go see him? No. There's a new movie coming out Friday. Can I go? No. You know, this is going on such and such. Can I? No. Dad, no. Eventually, you just look at my dad. No. And then the Bible is a whole book of thou shalt nots. There's nothing in there that says you're allowed to do something. It's just a whole book of telling you what not to do. You know, it's like, is there anything left to do? You know, my Baptist preacher said, if there's nothing that says you can't do it, you can do it. Well, there's nothing left. You know, look in there. There's nothing left to do. He says no to everything. He's like my dad. So my dad and God are the bad guys. Satan takes me to concerts. You know, the first concert I ever went to was Blue Oyster Cult opening for Kiss. When you're 12 years old at a Kiss concert, it's the original four members. They're all in makeup and costumes. And there's smoke and blood and fire. It's almost a religious experience. Now, it shouldn't be, but that experience was beating my Baptist church all the heck. I was just like, wow. This is incredible. And, you know, I was fascinated by that. I mean, Satan takes me to concerts. He lets me eat what I want. He lets me wear what I want. He lets me take the drugs that I want. He lets me have all the sex I want. He's saying yes to everything. 
God says no to everything, who's the bad guy again? Who's the bad guy in this scenario? So, you know, and then we were told in the Baptist church that Jesus defeated Satan on the cross 2,000 years ago. So Satan is no threat. And this is the kicker here. Satan is scared of the Baptist church. So if Satan's scared of the Baptist church and I'm Baptist, then that's why Satan treats me nice. That's why Satan's being good to me. He's scared of me. Yeah, I'm stupid at this point. This older kid comes up to me one day and he goes, you know, you're in a satanic coven, right? And he runs away. And I just laughed it off. But after about two weeks of letting that roam around in my head, you know, and wake up at night and be like, am I really in a satanic coven? Like, I'd seen a couple of people a couple of times wearing black robes and just kind of like looked at them like, what are they doing? But I didn't ask anybody. You know, nobody said anything. Nobody volunteered anything. And I had seen every creepy movie that existed at that point. And I've seen movies where people were dressed like that. And they didn't say it was a satanic coven, but it, that's obviously what it was. So then I walked up to an adult that I trusted and I said, hey, I got something to tell you. You're going to laugh. I heard this was a satanic coven. Crazy, right? And he said, it is. And my heart dropped into my stomach. And I said, am I a member? No, not yet. Would you like to be? And this is, I have people at my talks that ask me, didn't you know right from wrong? Why would you want to do something for the devil? Why would you want to be a satanic coven member? Well, I just told you that to me, Satan was the good guy. Satan was scared of me. Satan gives me everything that I want. God and my parents are the no police. To me, this is a no-brainer. You know, remember that I'm addicted to porn. And I'm starring in porno movies. And if I quit, you got to be 18 to buy porn. I'm 12. Also, if I quit, I'm not going to have sex anymore. Because all these people I'm having sex with are in my coven. I smoke cigarettes and tobacco almost every day. And I take drugs every day. You gotta be 19 to buy tobacco. I'm still 12. And I don't know where to get these drugs if I'm not here. And I'm getting drunk at least on the weekend, sometimes all week long. You gotta be 21 to buy booze. I'm still 12. So if I quit, I lose all my privileges. All these things just disappear. Puff of smoke, it'll just be a distant memory. I wish I could still do it, but I can't because I'm not in this group anymore. In my mind, I'd be an idiot to quit. Like, what do I got to do to join? He said there were 13 steps to becoming a Satanist and that I'd done almost all of them already. All I had left to do, I had to slice my left thumb and bleed onto a document. Now, your left thumb, because it's closer to your heart, you bleed onto a document and you sign it in three places in your own blood. The blood of Jesus washes away all sin, but not mine. Jesus died for everyone, but not me. And on the final page of a five-page document, I agree to sell my soul to the devil. Now, at this point in my talks, I stop and I ask the audience, 
how many people believe you can sell your soul to the devil? And I've had as many as almost 95% of the people say yes. You know, then I ask, I usually have an assistant sitting next to me. I ask them what kind of car they drive. And I ask how many people in this room can legally sell me this person's car? And nobody can. And I say, why not? And they said, because it doesn't belong to us. And I said, that's the same reason you can't sell your soul. It doesn't belong to you. Jesus paid the ultimate price for your soul. He died for you. He resurrected for you. You don't own your soul. You can't loan it. You can't lease it. And you certainly can't sell it. You know, the devil is a liar. He will lie to you even as you're slipping out the door on your deathbed to try and get you to despair that he owns your soul. What he owns is your will. All you've got to do to give your will back to God is go to confession. Now, you might need a deliverance and you might need an exorcism, but he doesn't own your soul. You're not going to end up in hell just because you, quote unquote, sold your soul. You cannot sell what you don't own. But I was 13 years old, and I don't know if you know any 13-year-olds. They know it all. You can't tell them anything because they have all the answers. So I believe that was me, and I believed I was selling my soul. I readily signed all those documents, and then we went to a coven meeting one night. It was almost the entire coven was there. It's about 150 people. And I'm being, I'm in a white robe, signifying losing my innocence. And I'm baptized into a giant vat that's a demon's head. And it's filled with human blood, pig's blood, and human urine. And full submersion, bring you up. You go into another room and you take a shower. And you come out in a black robe with a cow raised, signifying you've been baptized into a world of darkness. And you sit in a chair. They hand you a wheel with a crucifix in it. You spin the crucifix upside down, signifying human sacrifice. And you break the arms downward, denouncing Christ. They read the document that you signed the night before. And you show them your thumb to show them that it was your blood that you signed in. And then they intertwine that document with the wheel. And they say that this will be locked in a vault and it will be there forever. And when you die, then you'll be going to hell. You've damned yourself to hell because you sold your soul. And your soul is forever tied to this document. And then you have a big party celebrating that you're now a Satanist. But the reality is you're celebrating that one day you're going to die and go to hell. And I was officially a Satanist. Um, the black robe was now officially mine. But that's not the robe I wanted. Somebody walked up to me and gave me the red robe. And the red robe is the mage. It's the official magic practitioner of the coven. I was addicted to magic at this point. You're still 12 years old at this point? Or how old are you now? 13. 13. Where were you living at this time? Clewiston, Florida. In Florida, that long ago, there's 150 people in a satanic coven? There were two covens in our town. Both of them were about of equal size. And we had members from Belglade, South Bay, LaBelle, West Palm Beach, Fort Myers. So it's all the neighboring towns and cities around us were also members of our coven. 
And these sort of sex parties and filming of the stuff, all this illegal activity, it's going on inside these clubs? Yeah, it happens not always in Cluiston. Um, there was a town about 10 or 15 miles away called South Bay. We had a lot of activity happen in South Bay. Some of it happened in Bellblade. And some of it happened in West Palm Beach. If you fast forward to today, is most of that gone or does it appear still? Is it a different thing now? Where are we today with sort of satanic covens? Last year, when the satanic temple did SatanCon in Arizona, they advertised that they had 300,000 members worldwide. This year, when SatanCon was in Boston, they posted that their membership had grown to 700,000 in one year. So that means they more than double their size in one year. Most things that involve the devil and sinning don't get smaller in size. You know, witchcraft was a big thing all along. And then Harry Potter came out. And some witch said that their membership grew by 1,200% in the first year Harry Potter was out. Would you say your coven was special in that it was so depraved? Or is that fairly typical? It was typical. My first coven was an OTO coven. So it's Ordi Templi Orianti, um, which is probably back in the 70s, was probably the second largest coven in the world. World Church of Satan would have been number one, OTO number two, Anton LaVey's Church of Satan number three. I don't know who would have been number four. And number five, pretty much holding steady at number five, was Joy of Satan. Joy of Satan is still number five. Number four now is probably Anton LaVey's Church of Satan. Number three is probably the OTO. And number two is uh, Satanic Temple. You got really, really deep uh, into this, even much further. Where did this take you? When I left my first coven, I was looking for another coven and I found one. Um, I had When I called my first coven and said, I can't find what I'm looking for, I said, I'd read a book and it mentioned Bohemian Grove and the Illuminati. And I don't even know if this stuff is real, but in case they are, is there a satanic coven for these guys? And they said, yes, it's called World Church of Satan or Satan's World Church. You're not going to find it advertised anywhere. They're not going to be public. You know, it's extremely private, extremely secretive. But here, let's tell you where they, let me tell you where they are. I'll give you a phone number. Call that number, do what they say, and you can get hooked up with them. So I called the number, and they told me they were having a party. And that I could come to this party. I had to bring an ID with me. I had to tell them who I was on the phone. And then when I come in, I have to bring an ID that says that. So they needed my real name. So I gave them that. And then I went to this party, which was in a giant warehouse. And I mean, there's like 10,000 people in there. And I walked up, showed them my ID, and they let me in. Uh, there's an area that has food. And then there's an area set up just like that with tables and chairs, but it's got drugs. And uh, one of the drugs is like they've got uh, mushrooms and marijuana. But then there's another section that has heroin and cocaine. There's also an area where there's sex going on. And then there's there's just... 
different activities and then just some people just mingling around just watching what's happening but not really participating and you know i'm fascinated by all this but i don't see anything that says satanism not really and i mean there's no black robes anywhere there's nobody looks like a satanist and then i'm standing next to some guy and this guy walks by wearing a corpse paint on his face and a top hat carrying a wand and wearing a tuxedo now the first time i saw that look i was 13 years old at a sleepover and i woke up at like three o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom and get a drink of water and on my way out of the bathroom i see this guy walking through the house wearing a tuxedo top hat wand corpse paint on his face explain that what's on his face corpse paint white paint and then it has like a couple of designs on it to me he looked like a member of kiss wearing a tuxedo and i thought this was the coolest look ever i don't know what this is but i got to find out now if you want to go look at the that look to see what it looks like uh, there's an artist named pink that has a video for the song like a pill and she has a high wizard in her video four times the next day i asked my coven members hey what what was this i saw this guy walk through the house and this is what he was dressed like and they said uh you didn't see that that was a dream that didn't really happen so i was like okay so now my satanic coven is going to lie to me that's fine i'll find out someday i'll just file that away in the back of my brain somewhere so one day happened when i was 18 i was at this other coven party and this guy walked by not the same guy but a similar look you know, and he walks by and I grabbed the guy next to me and I was like, who is that? What is that? How can I do that? And he's like, um, who ran your coven? I said, we had a huge coven. It was 120 to 150 members. Uh, we had 12 high priests and priestesses. And he goes, who did the magic? I said, the mage. He dressed, everybody else dressed in a black robe with a red inverted pentagram. The mage wore a red robe with a black inverted pentagram. I was a mage. And he said, okay, well, we have 1.1 million members worldwide. We're run by CEO and board of directors. And the official magic is done by the high wizard. That's a high wizard. I said, how can I become the high wizard? He said, um, all I know is that you've got to get the devil's attention. I don't know how you do that but you get the devil's attention and then you become the high wizard. Well, I knew from being in my first coven that abortion gets the devil's attention. You know, I did my first assisted abortion when I was 14 years old. Now, all you have to do as the magic practitioner is to get blood on your hands. It can be the baby's blood or the mother's blood, but you have a hex you have to perform. So you start your hex, you get your hex performed, ready to go. So it's set up, ready to go. You go get blood on your hands. As soon as you have the blood, you come over and you finish the hex. And your hex has almost 100% chance of working because if you give the devil what he wants, which is a dead baby, he'll give you what you want, whatever that is. Now, it's not going to be probably to the extent of what you wanted. And you might be doing a hex for $10 million and you get, hundred thousand dollars so now you have to go aboard another baby so you can make more money because you didn't make enough but you know it, you know, 
he's not going to let the, the magic spell fail because he knows if he's giving you something of what you want, you're going to keep giving him what he wants. That's what I figured was my end. I had to get in with the group that was doing the hexes. And I, I, and I, I had references, you know, from I had done a few of these with my first coven. So I could get in with this coven and let them know, hey, I know what I'm doing. I know the steps I have to do. You know, if you just let me participate. So I participated in a few. And then I got this notice when I was 20 years old that I was being summoned before the CEO and board of directors. And I've heard that some people that get this, this card in the mail, when they go in and see the board of directors, they're never seen or heard from again. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Most of their abortions took place in an abortion clinic and the high wizard is allowed to show up or the magic practitioner is allowed to show up and do whatever he has to do. Like Planned Parenthood has rules that no Christian activity is allowed to be taken place on their property but it doesn't say no religious activity it says no christian so there are wiccans that meet there in the back of a lot of the planned parenthoods so to satanists that they don't have a place to have a coven meeting you can do it you can rent a place in the back of the planned parenthood now that's not just one planned parenthood that does that there's multiple but they also allow people to come in there's usually somebody at that abortion clinic that is a Satanist and they will allow a Satanist to come in and do what he has to do. Although on occasion, abortions did happen in a farmhouse. I got to tell you that that farmhouse is cleaner than any abortion mill I was ever in. Um, and there's an abortion doctor there, an abortion nurse. I mean, they don't put a bunch of Satanists in a room and say, here's a scalpel, go do it. You know, we, we don't want to kill the woman. You know, so it's you have like an actual abortion doctor that does this full medical equipment, you know, actual tools that you use for doing an abortion. Continue from there. So you're summoned to this meeting where you've heard people uh, sometimes don't come out of this meeting with the CEO. I go to a gun store and think that I'm going to uh, buy a handgun just in case. You know, worst case scenario. I live and I've got a nice handgun to show for it. So I bought a nine millimeter six hour and a bunch of ammo and some clips. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go out like no sucker. So I have this special belt that holds a bunch of clips and I'm wearing that. And I've got my concealed carry, uh, holster in the small of my back. and. I go into this meeting. 
Uh, it's a nice room, nice plush leather chair. I sit in that. And they've got this big black curtain on the far wall. And they tell me that I've been chosen to be the next high wizard. And I ask, how was I chosen? And they just kind of ignored the question. And they pulled this cord and the black uh, curtain moved to the side. And it had about nine different costumes that I could choose. Or I could choose my own. I could just invent my own look. And then they showed me a bunch of photos that were all like 24 inch by 24 inch. And it was a bunch of looks for your face, different corpse paint looks you could do. And I mean, that looked pretty awesome. And then they handed me this blue, light blue high wizard handbook. And I opened that up to the first page and it said, no one can tell you what to do. Like, they can suggest you do something, they can ask you to do it, but no one can tell you what to do. And I thought, this is the job for me. When you are the, the high wizard, when you're first granted the high wizard position, you go to Bohemian Grove and it, it's always in July and it's cremation of care ceremony. You have three weeks to learn how to do it and then you do it officially. And if you mess up, the, the, the people that are there aren't really going to know. You go from one side of a man-made lake or river, I mean, to the other side. It's not very far. You have to go, and you're in a flat-bottom boat that's attached to a rail. So you're not going to turn over or anything, even though it may look like it, it's moving back and forth. Uh, you're pretty safe, and you have a long pole that you push off the bottom of the lake on. But the bottom of the lake is only like a, it's only like a foot deep. And so you push off from one side to the other. You lift a child up and put them on an altar. And they hook electrodes up to the child's genitalia. If you watch Alex Jones' video, uh, you hear a scream. And that's when they electrocute or shock the child. Uh, they tell the child, we'll give you ice cream if you just go do this. And the pain is so intense, I think it knocks the child out or they faint. There's a lot of people there for this event. It's supposed to be the mock sacrifice of a child, but I'm sure probably before there were cell phones and, you know, things like we have now, there was probably the real sacrifice of a child. But when I did it, it was the mock sacrifice of a child. Uh, what that's supposed to do is end your bad luck for this year. So all the bad luck that's happened to you for the last 365 days has now been ended and you'll have good luck from now on. Now, Bohemian Grove is actually, the world knows it's open every July for cremation of care, but it's actually also open in February, May, and October. And if you belong to the Bohemian Grove Club, the Bohemian Club, and you're a billionaire, you can go anytime you want as long as you take your own weight staff. So being made the high wizard, I got to do a total, by the time I was done, I was a high wizard for 12 years. I did 146 assisted abortions. I helped split 120 churches. Now that's not destroy, that's not decimate, that's not close the doors and they never open again. It's just a split. 
and that that's all Satan goes for is the split. Um, and we stopped doing that. We stopped attacking the Baptist church around 1995. You know, he was going after to water down their faith. You know, they were, uh, at one time, they were a formidable foe to the devil. They had a lot of prayer warriors in the Baptist church. And, you know, Satan only attacks those people that hurt him. So for the longest time, the only people he attacked were the Baptists and the Catholics. And then in 1995, he stopped attacking the Baptists. And there's no other Protestant church that he attacks. Well, you might have like occasional demons doing things to people because they're Christian, but organized Satanism doesn't go against any Protestant group. You know, like if you're not doing the devil in the arm, he's going to leave you alone. You know, and my perspective is why would you belong to a church that's not being attacked by the devil? If you're not causing the dark devil any harm, why are you there? Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.